I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 310. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. This is the first time I've ever done a part one and two of a song, uh, but we are going to go ahead and use King of Kings by Hillsong Worship in a second episode this week. It is a song that was written to explore the tenor of scripture or the big story that is woven throughout the individual stories in what we call the Holy Bible. And because the song does such a great job of recapping the journey through scripture, we're going to go ahead and allow it to continue to guide our exploration of this sacred text. So let's pick up where we left off last week as I play the next verse we will use as a springboard to explore scripture. Let's listen. To reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation, you did not despise the cross. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about John the Baptist as a forerunner to Christ in his public ministry or as the forerunner to Christ. In fact, in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, we see Jesus beginning his public ministry with a reference to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. So verse 14, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So then in the gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll see Jesus teaching the people through parables all about the kingdom of God. And these parables were teaching aids and can be thought of like an extended analogies or inspired comparisons. A common description of a parable is that it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus frequently used these uh, parables as means of illustrating profound divine truths. Stories such as these are easily remembered, the characters bold, and the symbolism rich in meaning. And parables were a common form of teaching in Judaism. And so he explains actually to his disciples why he teaches in parables. In Mark chapter 4, in verse 10, it says, Then when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive receive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. 
Now, Jesus uses a quote here from Isaiah that, that emphasizes a hardness of heart that was prophesied about. And Jesus is emphasizing here by quoting this area of scripture. And the, the hearers should have understood what he was uh, alluding to. But repentance and forgiveness is available. Speaking in parables was not to trick people, but rather give them something they could understand that would draw them toward truth. But a hardness of heart, no matter how simple the message is, means that you're still closed off to the message. Now, one challenge you may give yourself this week, inspired by our song, is to explore the text of the parables specifically about the kingdom of God. You know, perhaps like the parable of the sower here, if we just stay right here in Mark chapter 4, or another one in Mark 4, the parable of the seed growing. Now, how do you know it's about the kingdom of God? Well, sometimes Jesus specifically starts the parable with the phrase, the kingdom of God is like or is as. So that would be one of your first clues. Um, But or mentions the kingdom of God somewhere in the parable. The parable of the mustard seed is in this chapter two and describes the kingdom of God. So after you study these parables and other kingdom parables, that you find on your own, you should have a better grasp of the lyric that you're singing of Jesus coming to reveal the kingdom coming. And so it says to reveal the kingdom coming to reconcile the lost. Now, reconciliation is a restoration of a broken relationship. When we sing that Jesus came to reconcile the lost, we declare that he came to restore relationship with God, our relationship with God. So starting in verse 6 of Romans chapter 5, we read this. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we've now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So not only have we been reconciled, uh, which is a big word and one that we don't necessarily, I think we uh, hear it a lot and may may hear it thrown around in sermons a lot and maybe just didn't understand the simplicity of, of what it really means, which is just restoring that broken relationship. But we've been reconciled so that we can be a part of the story of reconciliation as well. Now, I know we studied 2 Corinthians chapter 5 recently. We were looking at a different phrase in this area. Do you remember this? In verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's the area that we studied last time. All this is from God, it says in verse 18, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So we're reconciled ambassadors of reconciliation. And it may be worth your time to study this idea of reconciliation. 
what it means and what scripture says about it. Hopefully these two sections of scripture could give you a jump start in that area. All right, so let's read our lyric again to reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation. Now, when we sing of Christ's redemption, we are singing about the ransom that Christ paid for our lives. Now, the reconciliation, the restoration of relationship that we've just been talking about, that had a cost. Our sin was what broke the relationship and created the divide in the first place. But a blood sacrifice is required to cover sin. And that has been clearly laid out in the Old Testament. And that sacrifice is the payment required to satisfy the the buyout, so to speak, purchasing our freedom from the bondage of sin. And that ransom price was paid with the blood and life of Christ on the cross. Now, a wonderful place to sit and soak in to consider this thought is in Colossians chapter 1. It actually includes both that reconciliation language and the redemption language that we sing of here. Just listen to this amazing truth when we speak about Jesus beginning in verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him, here's our word, our reconcile word, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Of course, Paul is the author of the letter to the Colossians. So we see redemption and reconciliation and all of that in this area of scripture. Um, I, it might be worth your while to spend some time this week in Colossians chapter 1. All right, to reveal the kingdom coming, to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation, you did not despise the cross. For even in your suffering, you saw to the other side, knowing this was our salvation. Jesus, for our sake, you died. This makes me think of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so it's this it's this beautiful verse that just kind of says, he looked past this. You saw to the other side, knowing this was our, for our salvation, Jesus, for our sake, you died. And... um. And so, but the transformational impact for us lies in the context of this verse. Of course, that's just amazing. That truth's amazing in and of itself. But when we, we, 
kind of zoom out and look at the context starting in verse 1 and reading all the way through verse 4 and maybe even beyond. But for right now, we're just going to consider these four chapters. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, this is if if, I've, I've said this before. If you ever you see a therefore, you need to look to see what it's there for. So if you hop back to to chapter 11, you're going to see a whole bunch of I think they call it the hall of faith. I've heard it called. And so all these different witnesses that we are surrounded by now, it says a great cloud of witnesses. So because all these people kind of lived out their lives in faith, and there's a description of that in chapter 11, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And the way we do that is, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. It's just trying to give us perspective. So yes, let's consider him. Let's study and then sing this wonderful summary reminder of the magnitude of his redemption and reconciliation and the cost of it all. Let it transform the way we think. Let it transform the way we respond in our own lives. May it embolden us when we are tempted to grow weary or faint-hearted. Now, our song now builds in hope and expectation as it leads us to sing of the glorious resurrection of our Savior. And the morning that you rose, all of heaven held its breath till that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. Now we can read and study about the resurrection in all four Gospels. Mark chapter 16, Matthew chapter 28, Luke chapter 24, and John chapter 20. I'm going to link to all of these verse references in the show notes. MichelleNezat.com forward slash 310. I'm going to link to that in the show notes so that you can uh, go back and study in some of these areas. But when we uh, sing, did did this lyric throw you in the dead rose from their tombs? Have you ever read the resurrection story for yourself? And have you, did you notice that in, um, for example, Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, it says, behold, the curtain of the temple was torn into. This is just after Jesus gave up his spirit in death. And it says the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And that has specific meaning. We don't have time to unpack here today. But from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with them, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, this truly, this was the son of God. This is this is crazy. I love that they kind of tucked this truth or this experience into the song that we sing because... Um, this happened. This the scripture describes for us that the that there were people who had died and were buried that were raised from the dead at the at the same time as, as Christ's resurrection and and 
people saw them and they went and, and uh, appeared to many. I mean, they saw what was happening. And so it was all for what reason, though? To glorify God, all for God's glory, and to proclaim that Jesus truly was the Son of God, as the centurions themselves uh, noted. All right, now the next verse in our song declares the, the church of Christ was born and the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free for the love of Jesus Christ who has resurrected me. Now, you can read all about the birth of the Church of Christ in the book of Acts, where quite, quite literally the Spirit lit the flame as we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, if you uh, if, if you read the words of Jesus, you knew that he said, I've got to go so that uh, the Holy Spirit can come. And there was kind of a plan for all of this. And so it was a, a, a huge event. But the Spirit literally lit the flame of the New Testament church. And if you read and keep on reading, you will see that Peter is emboldened to give the sermon of his life up to this point, ending with a call to repentance and baptism. And 3,000 people responded in that moment. And then the, the gospel continues to, to ring loud and clear through common men transformed by the power of Christ and the, and the power of the Holy Spirit within them. So just keep reading through the book of Acts and you will see this uh, phrase in a message given by Paul and Barnabas to some folks in a synagogue in Antioch. In verse 38, it says, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, they're talking about forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. That is significant. In his freedom, I am free. Now, fun fact, in Acts chapter 11, we are told that for a whole year, Paul and Barnabas met with the church and taught a great many people in Antioch. And it says in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. I thought that was interesting. All right, but we can explore more and more and more. We haven't even touched on the idea of Trinity that we declare through the verse or the chorus, I'm sorry, of this song. Um, this song is a treasure. If you will let it inspire you to dive into God's word and then shore up what it teaches there and is summarized in the lyrics of this song. Don't let this song be your scripture. Let it inspire you to study scripture for yourself. So what's next? Well, I know that we haven't had a lot of time to sit and soak in any one section because we've just been trying to, to take in the whole tenor of scripture as we talked about. But if this podcast and this song has inspired you at all, just choose one of the places that we've gone in this episode. Maybe hop back over into episode 309 and study and soak in those areas. Go ahead and use Bible interaction tool exercises. I call them bites for short. Try the bite of meditation 
really ponder and think. Don't just read or listen in sound bites and then move on. Just just listen and, and ponder and think and give yourself, let it roll around in your head a, a little bit. Use the bite of following the cross-references. I mentioned one from Isaiah on today's episode. You could go hop back to Mark chapter 1 and then follow that cross-reference there. Um, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 4. Uh, use the bite of read and keep on reading. Perhaps you start reading in Acts because of that lyric, the church of Christ was born in the spirit, let the flame, and you just keep reading that amazing book. But while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat. Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat is my public page, and let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Cheryl from Georgia, Kelsey from Alaska, Marion from Alabama, Liz from the UK, and Karen from Illinois. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You will also get an email recap of the week's episode and instant access to any of the extra resources that I create from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Uh, This really encourages me, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneezat.com. Through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, you can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Waymaker uh, uh, to lead us to scripture. This was a request by my longtime listener, Emily. Now, if you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 310. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.